Lynn, do you want to do the intro? Yeah. Like? So, oh, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, we are Studio Nourish, Kirsty and Lindsay, and um, we specialise in all things women's health. So, that's anything from periods, menstrual cycle issues, PMS, um, thyroid issues, fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, skin. Um, so, we kind of cover it all for, for focusing more on females. Um, we use a method called functional medicine, which is essentially looking at the whole of a person rather than just an isolated part because what because what we understand and um are finding that um <laughs> issues can manifest in other systems around the body rather than just where the issue is or where the symptom is can you cut that by the way <laughs> I think let's do it let's do that again <laughs> I just had a um, I'll start that again or do you, do you want me to start that again or not? You're all good, honestly. Um, and kind of tell me what do you think got you personally interested in functional medicine and holistic health? So I came from a hormonal background, so suffered a lot from very heavy periods, which ended up being endometriosis. Um, and then later on, um, fertility struggles, I guess. So um, I started off just trying to understand my body a bit more and knowing that or starting to realize that food was really affecting how I was feeling. So I deep dived there, um, did a short course initially and then jumped into the three year course at the College of Naturopathic Medicine because I just found it so fascinating. And I think from from both of our sides, we we both have just found it so fascinating in terms of what information people don't know and just the simple small things that um you can like changes that you can make especially when you're eating for your hormones and periods that we just want to share so yeah that's where we've come that's where I've come from what about yourself Kirsty so similar it was also hormones um like most women I was um I felt like my hormones were fine up until I was about 20 and then at 20 I started getting really bad skin breakouts initially it was just a few and then and then it was like it wasn't just kind of at the you know time of the month around the period it was like all throughout the month um and I hid it well I definitely you know would use lots of makeup and things like that but then like, it got to a point where I thought there needs to be there needs to be a reason for this and I'd used lots of medications I'd been on steroid creams I'd taken the pill I tried Rakutane twice I'd done chemical peels and eventually I went and followed nutrition saw a naturopath when I was studying and it cleared up within three months it was really really wow. life-changing so yeah I'm just going to ask my parents to be quiet because they're being very noisy for one minute <laughs> so do you find that um gut health is a very important thing that you highlight whenever you're going through someone's like, symptoms and difficulties regardless of kind of like what that difficulty is yeah I mean we it's almost always well we always start with the gut because we, we just want to ensure like that it, it is essentially the foundation of how all your other systems work um yeah. so we always start there there's often always dysbiosis which is essentially a, 
an imbalance in your microflora and your bacteria. So we clean the gut up first and ensure that's working as optimally as it can be and reducing the symptoms if, if there are any as well, such as bloating, which is a very, very common one. Um, and then we and then we start to pinpoint the actual system. So generally hormones or endocrine systems to work on anything related around hormones. So, yeah, it's it's always starting with the gut. And what actually is healthy gut health? What does that look like? Shall I do this one? I think it's um, having good digestive capacity. So being able to eat food and not have any kind of symptoms and typical symptoms might be bloating, pain, lots of excessive burping, lots of excessive farting, loose stools or constipation. It's like being able to digest, digest food and not have any discomfort yeah. and to pass a stool every day. And that stool should be fairly formed, not hard to pass, not, not painful. Um, and then there's kind of like outward symptoms as well. So, you know, not having, um, issues like acne, eczema, rosacea, um, sometimes mood, low, low, low mood fatigue, um, brain fog, that kind of thing. I think if you're sort of free of those symptoms and signs and, and you feel like you can digest food pretty well, I think your gut health in fairly good working order. But um, that'd be I think thing. also, yeah, also on that, just noticing how your immune system functions and how quickly it takes you to heal from thing you know heal from colds and coughs and flus and things like that um if you're taking a long time then you know that there's some issues in your gut because that's predominantly where our immune system sits. Mm. And, and the frequency of them right because i feel like th there's people that it's quite normal to kind of get sick sort of once a year but i've got friends who are sick like three or four times in a year so that's usually a sign that your gut needs some support interesting and i guess if we jump into like one of the first questions what can someone do right now to drastically improve their gut health? So we'd start with um, ensuring that you're eating. I mean, this is such a key one, like eating a diverse range of different foods. So the more foods and the more var variety you eat, the more um, different bacterias will feed your gut. And so the more diverse your, your microflora will be and that's what we're looking for for gut health it's it's the microbiome that needs the the most amount of different diverse but varieties of bacteria so lots of color lots of fruits and vegetables um fiber rich foods so that fiber is a is a key one for stool health and um good gut health because we've got two types soluble and insoluble so soluble um is what kind of is the food that feeds your um gut it's also it's the fleshy part of fruits and vegetables basically the watery fleshy part and then there's insoluble which is what forms your stool it's the bulking the bulking part um and that's generally the harder the harder types of um fibers such as skins vegetable skins and fruit skins whole grains nuts and seeds legumes um and interestingly, the insoluble fiber doesn't actually, we don't absorb any of that fiber. It is simply a tool to bulk our stool and we need that to eliminate toxins for our body. So there, there are a couple of key ones. Um, yeah, I would say also fiber is a prebiotic as well. So when you're, when you're having like probiotic foods, so things like kefir, yogurt, good quality yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, miso, 
tempeh, that kind of thing, that's probiotic and that feeds off of the prebiotic foods. So prebiotic foods, a lot of your plant-based foods, but fiber is a prebiotic. So it's a really good thing for your good bacteria to eat off of the food. Um, limiting sugar. So our diets now tend to be like low, like laden with sugar. You know, it's a lot, of, obviously it's on a lot of labels, even, you know, anything that's essentially got sort of two or three, more than three kind of ingredients generally will have some kind of additives and one of those may, may be sugar. So we're generally like asking clients or advising them to um, make food from scratch um, and always check the labels as well, or have it in small portions, not, you know, it, it shouldn't be the main part of their diet or like a consistent snack throughout the week. Um, and then with sugar, thinking about artificial sweeteners as well. So, um, you know, you've got these like highly processed sugars that essentially feed the bad bacteria. And actually there's a, there's a group of bacteria, I can't remember what they're called now, but there's a group of bacteria in the gut that when they're fed sugar, they then crave sugar. So they actually like lead to sugar cravings, which is why some people go, I just can't, I can't beat the sugar, you know? So there's, there's, there's that, um, what else? Um, being hydrated. So obviously, you know, you don't want to be kind of overhydrated, but you also don't want to be underhydrated because you need that water. As Lindsay said, when you're having lots of fibrous foods that actually attracts water, it pulls water into the bowel to help it kind of digest and move through the intestines. And you need water to help kind of push that stool through. Otherwise, you'd be very constipated. So that's a good one. Stress is a super important one as well, because um, that can harm your gut health. So we we always every single protocol we give is there's an element of stress support because most of us are a little bit stressed and need support there but stress is a key one because it changes your um, microflora and your bacteria um it does so much to your body stress they, they did that study didn't they so they had these tibetan monks i think they're tibetan and they looked they, they got them to meditate every day for a number of hours and they actually over the course of i think it was like three months their, their microbiomes actually changed positively because of the because of meditation it's really cool really really good study I need to find that one actually that's a great great one to reference so if someone is particularly stressed and it's having a clear impact on their gut health what is like one of the top things they could do to kind of help manage that stress because everyone's like oh just be less stressed or stress management and everyone thinks oh you need to go meditate or you need to go write in your journal but it's obviously so different for each individual person and I guess is there any particular avenue should it be physical um rest should it be emotional rest mental rest what sort of thing would you kind of recommend I th I think it's really it's a it's a really good question because adding a to-do on their protocol to de-stress can ironically make it more stressed and feel overwhelming because when you're adding to someone's to-do list that's already overwhelmed it's it's hard so what what I always and we share I guess but what, what I was saying in clinic is choose one thing every day that really does make you feel relaxed and for you for, for somebody it could be going for a run in the park for somebody else it could be going for a walk with a podcast for another person, it literally could be sitting on the sofa with your eyes closed or listening to a podcast on the sofa or, or just simply breathing. But if you're if you're doing that at least once a day to start with, and then we start building that habit up where it's a multiple pockets throughout the day where you're just taking yourself away from your desk for literally five minutes, you know, three times a day, for example, then that's then that's when you start to recognize and notice 
the switch in your mind and the feeling of overwhelm and anxiety. So it's very, it's very um, individual, I guess. But I, I suppose also as we start to know and work longer with clients, we start to know what will work with them. So we will we'll suggest other tips that we think could work and suit their lifestyle because we work with a lot of people who are in different life stages as well with with small kids and so it's um it's a difficult one but yeah I'd probably start there nice that sounds good and I guess it's something that you kind of mentioned in like the pre and probiotics and one of the questions that we've got is do you think people should go do like do gut health tests because I get some people say should I try pre and probiotics and it's kind of like does that not depend on what microbiome like what bacteria you've actually got in your gut to start with and like you'll never know what you've got unless you do well the I mean everyone's gut is like a fingerprint it's completely unique to them so they're going to have slightly different amounts of some commensal and sort of good bacteria and bad bacteria um if if we if someone comes to us and they've got sort of you know obvious signs of discomfort or symptoms you know whether that's skin symptoms mood symptoms immune issues then we always recommend a gut test and we tend to always start there because it's kind of the foundation as Lindsay said of like other systems of the body um, when that's out of whack, other systems kind of fall out of sync as well. Um, and those tests can tell us so much. And, you know, how somebody presents with one set of symptoms, they could have the same set of symptoms as somebody else, but the actual causation of that is completely different. So we had a client recently who came to us. She had very, very loose stools for like 14 years. And I was like dead certain that it was going to be a parasite. And it wasn't. It was just that she didn't have enough pancreatic elastase to digest a lot of the food that she was eating. And then I think Lindsay had a, a client who was constipated for like a decade, maybe longer, I think, and with doing a stool test and just doing some sort of simple modifications and changes to the diet, that like was a game changer. So it's it's good if you have symptoms. Um, we sort of do them ourselves as just more of like an MOT. So I'll do one every couple of years just to kind of see what's going on and you know see how I'm supporting it. But generally, I think if you don't have symptoms, it's good to invest rather than do an expensive test, just to invest in good um, probiotics. So lots of foods, lots of diversity. Like Lindsay said, go to the supermarket, try different fruit and veg. Like, you know, don't, don't stick to the same kind of shopping basket as you would every week, try new things, um, experiment in the kitchen. So make different meals, try and make sort of like, you know, brine your own carrots or cucumbers sort of like you get creative basically um and then if you do have the money then getting a really good quality probiotic is is a good is a good start and I tend to I mean I take them kind of throughout the year just as a top up but I think it's always good to do them pre-winter because that's kind of when you're more likely to get to get ill do you have any particular like brands that you'd recommend for probiotics um so Lindsay you like as a sort of a as a, a generic one, what was it called? Simprove. Is it Simprove? Optibac. Optibac is one that you have. Yeah, Simprove is a really good one, but it's quite, it's on the pricier side, but it's a really, really good one because it's liquid and it's it's a lot more bioavailable. But the the high street one, the high street chain, which is excellent, um, is Optibac and they've got quite a r- range of different, they've got ones for vaginal microbiome and all sorts of, um, so they're a really good one. But mm. I, I love Megaspore. So Megaspore um I've tried it with a few clients now I've had it myself and I just I think the results have always been like amazing um I need to look into it but I think it's the spore of microbes which should like basically make its way sort of through the digestive system into the into the intestines so it's a really good one but it's a little bit expensive but it's definitely worth the money 
there's also another one as well which is elixir which is a seven day like hard hitting one you just take for seven days and then that's it rather than like the 30 days and that's excellent yeah there's plenty of brands good, good. I like it um and then moving on to the next question is yakult any good um is there a best time to take it do you think that that sort of stuff is beneficial for people so yakult is when you so when you look at the label on your on yakult it 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 contains 11 just over 11 grams of sugar per 65 mil which i think it's which i think is the the full the full bottle which is two and a half teaspoons of sugar per serving which is a lot so mm. we don't support yakult because you don't need that amount of sugar and yakult's yakult's aim is simply probiotics you don't need to buy a product like that to get probiotics mm. you can eat fermented foods lots of different probiotic foods like miso and temper and kombucha and things like that um so we don't support products like yakult just for that reason because yeah. sugar load especially when the nhs is saying you know they set a 30 grams of sugar per day for adults which we even feel is too much it should really be down by like around about 20 mm. um so that's a that's a huge amount in just one small drink your day's intake. Yeah, to put that into perspective, so Coca Cola is ten point ten point two grams of sugar per hundred mils, and Yakult per hundred grams is seventeen point two. So it's more sugary than a Coca Cola. So oh. it's and and they do and it's not just like normal. It's not just like you know natural sweetener. It's it's um it's the artificial sweeteners so it's actually not that it does obviously have kind of the lactobacillus in it but it's it's also laden with um the not so beneficial sugars that your gut bacteria is going to feed off of so it's not it's not yeah. worth the money to be honest so would you recommend that people kind of would get organic yogurt or yeah. you can even get some kind of like plain kefirs now um in in sainsbury's and tesco's and those kind of things that are actually probably more beneficial and, and less expensive definitely okay nice um and i guess how does a bad gut health impact the rest of your body? It's kind of something that we have touched upon in terms of, like you said, with the skin and stuff like that. But I think, especially for me personally, my gut health comes from stress. And the moment I feel stressed and it impacts my gut health, my mood and everything, just my energy levels change so much more. And is there anything in particular that you're noticing in terms of patterns or is it very unique person to person? Um. So it, it is unique person to person. So for me personally, my manifestation or my symptoms were skin breakouts. I never really had any issues with like stools or bowel movements. I never had like bloating, but skin was was the thing that I suffered with the most. But then for somebody else, it might be that they struggle to go to the toilet, you know, that they just can't pass a stool or they're not going like I've got one friend who goes like every three days, which for her is what what we would she considers that normal but generally by and large that's not you know you need to be passing a stool and there's so many benefits of passing a stool as well you're kind of excreting all of this waste from the body um how do you know if your gut isn't healthy I guess it's 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 sort of like we've said before it's sort of like immune issues so if you're getting sick a lot or it's it's taking you a long time to kind of you know recover um it can even be the other thing with gut as well is that, like it has such a profound impact on other systems of the body and other microbiomes around the body. So we're now obviously looking at research between gut health and the oral microbiome. So 
or gut health than the vaginal or seminal microbiome. So for example, if there's, um, this is not proven, there's just research into it, but it's not conclusive. But if there's a yeast or an imbalance in the gut, then there's more likely to be yeast or an imbalance in the vaginal microbiome. And then that can then lead to fertility issues or fertility challenges. Um, we found um, issues with the oral microbiome. So in men, if they've got um, uh, sort of gum disease or gingivitis, that bacteria can then translocate into the seminal microbiome and that can again cause fertility challenges. Um, you kind of, you, you almost look at the kind of, if we're looking at a pyramid, I think gut is the thing that you should treat or manage primarily. And then you should be thinking about how is your oral health? How's your vaginal health? How's your seminal health? How's your skin microbiome? You know, are you someone that suffers from UTIs really frequently? Because if so, then you might have urinary uh, microbiome issues. So there's a lot you can kind of do to rebalance those. And I think people don't always think that UTIs are linked to gut and urinary, but it is, it's all completely intertwined. I think it's essentially, it's essentially if, if you start getting symptoms, somewhere around your body whether it's headaches mm-hmm. or you know, any your UTIs as Kirsty says just start feeding your gut just go on a you know go on a bit of a gut reset with the right foods and some probiotics start there and then you can start then you can go and get help if things aren't shifting. So if you mention around like the vaginal side of things when someone's going through let's say perimenopause menopause and they're experiencing a lot of like dryness can the gut health actually help with that sort of stuff? If you were to help feed the gut, would that actually help with helping with those parts of the symptoms as well? So the so the gut <clears throat> so the gut so good gut health will in will will reduce your symptoms essentially. But in terms specifically for menopausal like vaginal dryness. It, it, it won't take that away like I think you you do need some topical help there and um some specific vaginal microbiome help but starting with your gut health for sure it definitely reduces symptoms um that that kind of manifest in those places for sure and we'd always start um and I guess moving on to the next one so what is the link with your gut health and your mental health because you hear a lot about like the brain axis the brain gut axis and I think there's more and more research coming out about it but there's it's actually then moving that research into something that we can understand and we can put into action to help us so what is the research out there that kind of says about the link between the gut health and the mental health and how best can we support one another Mm -hmm. so your gut and your and your brain are like you know intimately linked by the vagus nerve so the vagus nerve starts on the left side of your neck obviously goes into your brain and it goes all the way down your um, trachea down your esophagus and it wraps around your digestive organs and it goes all the way down to your anus and so you know when you kind of get that nervous feeling like you're about you know you're going to an interview or you're you know you sort of feel like you need the toilet really quickly or if you get butterflies you know when you sort of got kind of get like knots in your stomach that's all because of the vagus nerve is carrying kind of that 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 chemical those chemical messages back and forth um and in your so that's one of the reasons, you know, like if you're in a constant state of stress, you're more likely to be having kind of looser bowel movements, or you may be on the opposite end where you're really constipated and you're not going at all. So stress, that's how kind of stress affects you. Um, you also have a, a kind of a mic, you've got this microbiotic influence on mood as well. So you've got these trillions of microorganisms that collectively 
or, or are collectively in the gut microbiota and they really play a crucial role in regulating your neurotransmitters so things like serotonin um they also influence your sort of general mood and behavior um and sort of imbalance of those so if you have like a you know dis- gut dysbiosis or a real imbalance of, of those that good uh, microbes that can lead to things like mood disorders it can lead to things like depression anxiety so generally speaking when we work with clients as well um if they do have like you know if, if they are on antidepressants or some kind of you know um medication to address uh um uh neurological or mental health disorder then we'll always look at the gut as well because those two things kind of sit together um Linz, anything you want to add? Whereas I've talked for a long time now. Yes. You've got we also you've got the short chain fatty acids as well. So you've got things like butyrate. Butyrate's really good. It has an anti-inflammatory effect on the whole body, so all of your systems, but it also has a neuroprotective effect. So um that's just generally great for mental health. So I think I think if the gut is in a good state, it kind of sets the mind up and it sets the brain up as well for good health. Uh, the the two, you always have to think about the two together. And actually going back to um oral health as well we now know that there's you know progression of uh, neurological disorders so things like alzheimer's or um parkinson's that's now been linked to certain strains of bacteria that have entered into the mouth have got into the the kind of gums and the and the sort of dental cavities and that has then got into the bloodstream so it's crossed the blood brain barrier and that has then um been a factor to disease progression in those in those two um, diseases so it just kind of shows you how important like the mouth is as well in protecting you and protecting the brain I think also on that as well like chronic inflammation in your gut which is something that stool tests do pick up um if you're if you're if you're suffering from chronic inflammation and that can be that can be you know um an, an imbalance in your bacteria that you're not addressing or that you're living with sim- gut symptoms for a long time and not addressing them or um yeah, for whatever reason, that inf- that chronic inflammation can start to feed into neurological issues and like disrupt the kind of neurotransmitter production and links. Um, and there has been sh- there's there has been links shown between your the inflammation in your gut and your mental health. So inflammation is the key one too, and that's one of the key markers that we see on stool tests. The, there's also one other point. Sorry, now it's all coming out. But when you think about the brain as well, it's such an energy intensive organ it needs a lot it it requires a lot of kind of energy from both fats and sugars to 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 operate right and if your gut is is in a sort of dysbiotic state so if it's not it's not balanced and you are having other symptoms you're then probably less likely to be absorbing the nutrients they're eating so you'd be less likely to absorb things like omega-3 fatty acids and your b vitamins you've got actually make some b vitamins which is really crucial obviously b vitamins are very um they need they're needed for energy and for cognition um so you kind of have this this picture then of malabsorption of of that energy sorry of of those nutrients which then don't make it to the brain they're not feeding the brain with with what it needs to function adequately so that's another one and I guess with the inflammation side of things, is that kind of like what things like the Mediterranean diets try to help and support is introducing foods that help, like that are anti-inflammatory, that help with that sort of inflammation side, which then helps the gut and helps the mental health? Yeah, exactly. It's it's eating all the anti-inflammatory foods, so the really healthy, good fats and fresh fruits and veg and having less of the inflammatory foods. So 
um, you know, processed foods, sugars, cat. It's funny because th there's there's two food groups that sit in the middle here. So gluten and dairy for some people are inflammatory. They are are inflammatory foods when you have them in, a, in an abundance as well. So we'd never clear them out of someone's plan unless they're reacting. But they are two key foods that we always say have in moderation rather than a lot because they can feed into the inflammatory picture. Um, nice. So next question is, how can we help with bloating around menopause? Is it quite similar in terms of just general gut health support? Or is because the changing levels in hormones, is there something additional that we need to be doing, like introducing more photoestrogens or is there stuff outside of that that we need to be helping with? Yeah, it's a it is a lot of the kind of similar, similar bloating protocols that you do for for somebody out of the menopause. But as you say that there, during the menopause, there's a lot of hormonal and perimenopause, there's a lot of hormonal changes happening. So it, there's a, there's quite a few systems that we need to support um when you're in and around the menopause um to ensure that uh, you know symptoms are as minimal as they can be and one of the key sim one of the key systems is actually your adrenals and your stress hormones and so keeping those as managed and as low and minimal as possible so we there's a huge focus on kind of calmative calmative whatever calm calming foods and calming kind of teas and and um, adaptogens and things like that um, to really kind of manage the stress levels the mm -hmm. other system is thyroid so ensuring that your thyroid is as healthy and as optimal and functioning well as it can be because those two systems alone can really affect your the symptoms that you get out of menopause so we so we focus on thyroid supporting foods such as iodine iodine rich foods like seaweed and things like that and um, tyrosine and zinc and selenium rich foods and then there's obviously the kind of more um, general bloating um, support. So we'll say things we suggest like eating less raw food and, and lightly cook and steam your vegetables because it's it's more work on the digestive system to crunch and digest through raw, raw veg and fruits. Um, and we also suggest if you are suffering from bloating, start to look at your plates more simply and have perhaps less. I know we all, always talk about their diversity and have as many very vegetables and fruits and colors as possible. But if you are suffering from bloating, that one key thing to start with could be making your plate simpler and perhaps just focusing on three to four ingredients on your plate for a while and getting your, your digestive system just like not overwhelmed with all the different foods it needs to digest. Um, and then, yeah, the other ones like probiotics, fiber, um, reduce your alcohol and caffeine and yeah. um you mentioned a, minute, a second ago Alicia, about like phytoestrogen foods it's it's really tricky it's like a double-edged sword because the foods that are really beneficial during this life stage so like the phytoestrogen rich foods so things like sesame um good quality organic soy beans lentils they tend to be sometimes the things that actually bloat people and same with like cruciferous veg so things like sulfur like leek garlic onions cabbages they are sulfur rich so they tend to actually again cause bloating so they can be quite hard for people to digest so um what we say is if you are gonna we, we don't say ever like exclude them unless you really it's too painful and you can't you know can't eat them but we sort of work on the gut support it with probiotics and prebiotics and then over time look at like soaking beans and pulses and you know cooking them in a slow cooker really breaking down the kind of um the fibers in them a little bit to make them easier to to to, to absorb and to to eat yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think in terms of things like 
soy and stuff is it like how best would you go about say for example you had tofu or temper how best would you go about cooking that is it best to fry it would it be is I guess is the way that you cook that sort of stuff important as well or is it kind of more about the vegetables well first of all always get organic because organic sort of of soy is going to be much better it's going to have less of the kind of um um sort of additives and stuff in there it's you know better quality in terms of cooking it really varied i mean like um tofu in itself is like so diverse if you go to china they have like you you'll have like kind of like soft silken tofu you'll have like um tofu that you have in soup you have like tofu skin and firm so it's sort of find one that you like um i tend to have firm tofu and then i tend to soak it in like tamari some chili ginger um sometimes sesame oil and then i'll lightly fry that and have that kind of with with brown rice or noodles or in soup um it's just sort of finding recipes that work for you really and and trying to experiment a little bit in the kitchen and last question why do certain foods bloat us um is this yours Kirsty? no okay um there are probably a lot of answers to this question because I mean it can be anything from like how you're eating your food so if you're eating at your desk if you're stressed if you're still working if you're walking eating that's an often really common um, reason why we see a lot of bloat in the clinic um when you're stressed as well your the wrong nervous system is switched on so your sympathetic nervous system is switched on and in order to digest our foods your body needs the parasympathetic nervous system switched on and when you are chronically stressed it's not so you're just eating your food's not being digested properly or even absorbed and it's just going straight through you so you're not actually getting the benefits of any any of the food you're eating so stress is such a key one for absorbing and digesting the food properly also if you're like drinking around meals if you're drinking with your meals um that causes a lot of bloating because we're we're um uh weakening the stomach acid so we're diluting it which means the stomach acid can't do its job of breaking down the foods properly our stomach acid is so it's so acidic it's like it's like a ph different uh less than the acidity of battery acid or something like that it's insanely acidic And it needs to be because it needs to break down the really hard foods that we eat, like the proteins and the carbs and and obviously fats as well. So when we drink with our our meals, we're diluting its ability. So um, and that's when food isn't digested properly and it starts moving down your gut. And that's what that can also cause bloating. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of stuff there that we tend not to really think about outside of just the food. Um. But yeah, I think thank you so much both for coming on. I think it's been really, really beneficial. And I hope that um, people have found that they've learned something from it. Um, let me 